Star Trek lives in upstate New York. This is the Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Tim Bennett. Find us every Wednesday here live on Facebook or YouTube. And focusgroupradio.com is the URL of our website. And if you go there, you'll find all about us and, of course, all the media we have there, including our Tuesday podcast, Unbuttoned, which is about 20 minutes long. So uh, welcome to the new week, Tim. Hello, Mr. Nash. How are you? What was that opening about? <laughs> That's going to be for caught my eye. So if you oh, it is? Oh, are okay. caught at the opening, probably another four or five minutes in, you're going to learn about what I mean when I say Star Trek lives. In I'm not privy. I'm not privy to what's coming up. So <laughs> middle of September. Middle of September. What it was? Yeah. Well, things are things are moving on. It's nice and cool this week, which uh, which I'm happy about. But uh, I, I heard in upstate New York they already had frost. Uh, way up north they did. Yeah, we haven't had it in our neighborhood yet, um, but it got close. I think it was down at 39 or something to the day, and it's going to warm up a little bit. You know how September goes. It, it, then we get right. a little warm bump into, into October, and then it gets cold again. I'm just kind of uh, realizing that as the event grinds on, um, all the euphoria we had about being outdoors, and that's all going to change now, isn't it? Well, it will change because uh, a big chunk of the country can't stay outdoors all winter uh, for dining or for activities. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, it feels, uh, I think we've all appear, appear to be getting used to part of um, what's going on. But uh, I don't know. I wondered about restaurants. I wonder about sporting events and those sort of things where right now it's great to eat outside and it's very weather dependent in case it rains or something or if it's way too hot. But when it's uh, snowing and it's uh, 15 degrees in Manhattan, I doubt you're going to be sitting outside having yourself a little French tort. <laughs> you know, um, uh, no, the answer is no. And uh, I was talking to you the other day about an idea that a friend of mine had uh, for the upstate place, and she had mentioned a fire pit. You know, these things, the you know, you can right. buy them and you put some wood in and there's a grate that goes over to protect the, from sparks coming up. But you mentioned the, the chiminea, and those are a little more money, aren't they? Not really. You can get them at uh, one of the big big box, uh, you know, home home improvement places. Uh, they sell them, or you could probably find one online. But all my friends that have them, they actually do have the grate on the top because it's it's. Uh, I guess it's it's sparks. modeled after yeah. some, some sort of Adobe thing for the sparks. But you know, my neighbor Brian from from Admark, uh, he has one. He uses it all the time, and we had it on the other night. Uh, but he he burns it all the time, and it's great. And it lets out a lot of heat. And if you're, we've been outside in November and uh, throw some logs in it and, and sit outside. You know, you sit, um, you know, six, eight feet away from it and it's, it keeps you warm. So um, how far into the fall, winter can you kind of use that? Well, obviously it depends where you are. I mean, it's, uh, you can probably go into at least Thanksgiving if it's not so wet. You know, that's the big issue. We, we were, Richard and I were talking about Delaware a couple of years ago. We were out enjoying the porch, I think, December 15th, December 12th. Wow. Wow. Um, last year, that did not happen. 
Um, so it just depends, you know, it depends on your, your weather, but for you guys, I would say you could use it at least through, through Halloween, through Halloween. I would say so. And, and maybe again, like you say, the weather, weather patterns have been changing. So, so oddly lately that if you guys wanted to do something at, uh, you know, say you had a warm, you know, Indian summer day right around Thanksgiving and it's 50 degrees, 60 degrees out during the, during the evening, you could throw and sit outside. So I, I, I guess I have to have my, I have to recalibrate my chiminea uh, fire pit notions. I keep thinking maybe it can slide in the December. You could actually invite people, like a couple people over to sit around the fire pit and have a drink because <laughs> we're not going to be doing well, it inside. You know, you, you know, you could, but you're just going to dress differently. I'm talking about sitting outside in just your normal clothes. But what we've done too is you'll sit outside with a, with a blanket over your, over your lap or you have a big sweater on or a sweatshirt and sure you can, you know, hot cup of coffee or cocoa tea or whatever you could sit outside and, uh, and enjoy and enjoy it. Yeah. It's worth a shot. You're, you'll use it anyway. You'll certainly use it in the summer, even if you just throw a Duraflame or some sort of log in there to get the smoke, to keep the bugs away. So you certainly use it. All right. Well, it's, you they're not it. the, the ones that we saw are, are bare bones and they're cheap. You know, you could get one for like 80 bucks and at yeah. that, at that price, it's, it's all you need. Yes, it's, it's almost worth trying out. Yeah. All right. So uh, what caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So I was poking around. You and I have, you and I have been here. And um, I guess you and I, we, you and I followed the rules. But uh, many tourists are not recently. So this is in Sardinia, which is an island off the coast of, coast of Italy. And this is, this is uh, an issue that's happening there and apparently happening in a lot of other resorts. So the headline is a tourist who took sand from a beach in Italy has been fined more than $1,000. So there were some French tourists recently that were in Sardinia and um, they're famous. So the island's famous for its pink beaches, pink sand beaches and white sand beaches. And these, uh, these tourists from France had taken four pounds of local sand in their luggage and they got stopped at the airport and they were fined um, thousand euros or yeah a thousand euros which is about twelve hundred dollars u.s wait, wait go back for a sec how much was it a bottle or you said it was a pound or something they had four pounds four pounds in their luggage okay that's a that's not an insignificant amount okay right so they've taken the white sand and so back in 2017 because the the airport kept finding the sand in people's luggage more and more and they decided that in 2017, they, they put a regulation in, in place that essentially says it's illegal to take sand from Sardinia's beaches. And um, then they went through a bunch of incidences where people have been trying to get out, uh, get sand out of the country. And the, um, you can face up to six years in prison if you get caught with, with a lot of it. So there was one French couple last year that got caught with 90 pounds of sand. 90 pounds? Imagine? What the hell are they doing with that? <laughs> Well, then what's happened is people were getting on websites and selling it as souvenirs. Oh, oh okay. That's kind of weird. That's okay. So they said it's become a very well-known phenomenon in, in, in Europe to be selling this stuff as souvenirs. I guess it's similar to when people collect sea glass or people collect something at a, at a beach and then you could sell it. But if you don't get it yourself, why would you buy it? I can't imagine me going online and buying some pink sand. <laughs> but um, they said some British tourists also were fined in 2018 when they had also taken some, uh, some of the pink sand. And, um, so they're tr really trying to cut down on this and said that it's a real issue. You know, I, and the one reason I picked this was I thought it was somewhat funny, um, that people were taking sand and then going home and selling it, but you know, risking thousands of dollars of fines and perhaps prison time. 
But I would, I went to the Grand Canyon on a rafting trip and I had found a little arrowhead and I was going to take it home. And the guide, we were, I was with the Smithsonian and they kept saying you were not to remove anything, a little pebble, a stone or anything out of the Grand the canyon. canyon. Yeah. I thought it's a huge Canyon. You know, they only allow a certain amount of people in every year. And he said, well, if everybody took a rock, you know, after X amount of years, <laughs> it'd be a billion years by the time we emptied the canyon, right? So, but they were so strict about it and actually checked us and checked our luggage and checked everything to make sure that we didn't sneak any sort of little rock or stone. Um, obviously, if you had sand in your, you know, your shoe or something, that's one thing. But we had, you know, I thought, why not get a, get a little rock or a, a souvenir from the Grand Canyon? And it, it was a, a big no-no. I'm sure people do it, but uh, that's what this reminded me of, is that if I guess if everybody took four pounds of sand or a pound of sand, eventually that it would be an issue, but uh, I don't know. Have you ever taken anything from a beach? I think we all have. Um, a shell, <laughs> right? Like, you know, a shell. Right. <laughs> sand dollar. And, and the shell, sea seems to like rock. deposit a lot of shells on the beach, so I don't think we're running into a shell crisis, but uh, that is <laughs> that is kind of... Uh, I had seen a headline, but I didn't read the article, so that was interesting to me that it that the Europeans are doing that. Um, well, the, the other thing about it for me was you and I were there. I don't remember seeing pink or white beaches. You know, that would have been one thing they should have showed us. I and mean, we we ate food and we saw some adobes that people lived in, you know, BC, right? <laughs> it's true. Like it's Flint, true. Flint, yeah. we saw some Flintstone houses on the island, but we didn't <laughs> see any white or pink. I'd like to see that. I wouldn't have minded. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had a very different caught my eye. So um, last week we did a day trip. We did a, a little John and Bob holiday. And I had read about um, a place in upstate New York, in uh, Ticonderoga, New York. And it was called the original uh, Star Trek original series set tour. So I'll just set it up this way. It's located in historic downtown Ticonderoga. And here's their from their website. When the Star Trek television series was canceled in 1969, the original sets were dismantled and largely destroyed. Only a few small items of the actual sets remain today, and those that have survived are in private collections. Trek superfan James Cawley began the process of rebuilding the sets just as they would have been seen 50 years ago when the series was being filmed. A 14-year journey that has culminated in the most accurate rebuild of the original sets and is now open and welcoming Star Trek fans from all over the world. So, wasn't sure what to expect, and um, we went up, and sure enough, it was, I haven't had such a fun day in a long time. It's it's a really well-run exhibit. And had you I'm, known anyone else who'd gone there? No. I had, this is, I had, I've polled friends, and I've checked out people, and no, people haven't done this. They haven't even heard of it. So... Um, they did in fact recreate the sets, but they didn't just do it, um, you know, in a random fashion. They recreated Desi Lou, uh, soundstage nine, which is, uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball's production company. And I learned something, you know, Tim and I are totally separated at birth because of a crossovers. So we both love, I love Lucy. And it turns out that Lucy, after she divorced Desi, this was her first TV pilot that she financed. I think she put 663000 of her own money in, which today would be about $4 million. Wow. And Desilu was also responsible. You said for Andy Griffith, was it? Oh, yeah. They've done a bunch of shows. Mission Andy Impossible. Griffith, think, right. Green Acres, maybe. Petticoat Junction. There's a bunch of them. So the tour um, starts with an homage to Lucy, you know, because she's kind of the, the great godmother of Star Trek because her studio was the one that made the pilot and it went on from there. 
and then you walk onto the sets and it's the corridor i'm showing here on screen a corridor it's the sick bay um engineering a conference room and then the piece de resistance is the bridge and that's me. so are you actually walking through so that that slide before that um that hallway you Does can that walk, go anywhere you, or is it just that you sure do view because that's so you walk so you, that actually is all connected mm -hmm. in fact you uh, further down the halls where you enter but you're you're walking around they don't want you to touch too many things in fact nothing <laughs> they, they tell you when you could touch something were but, those the colors the actual i mean they're so vivid were those the colors that were on the uh i'm, I'm not on the show. I don't remember the show being that vivid. Maybe our TV wasn't very good. <laughs> so back in the 60s when Star Trek premiered on NBC, um, it was one of the few color shows that was actually being aired at the time. And uh, lighting aside, yeah, this is pretty accurate to what you see if you turned on the, the show, and especially the bridge um, where I'm, this picture is I'm where I'm sitting now, which I love this picture. Bob took this of me. This is very accurate. And in fact, according to the guide, we had a really super nice guy named Drew. I think his name is Drew. Who, who gave us the tour, the the reason the show, the show basically got canceled every season, but it was resurrected. I think in season two, it was resurrected by um, NBC's desire to have color programming. And then I think for season three, it was a letter campaign that fans wrote in. But it's about an hour long tour. There's a, a it's um, at the front, there's a, a costume exhibit and props. And we, we just had a, a lot of fun. It was a fun drive up. It was a surprisingly engaging and really super <laughs> afternoon at this place then we drove down to glens falls for for lunch and saw a house that i lived in as a kid but it was a, it was a really great and fun thing so run don't walk if you're a fan to star trek original series set tour in ticonderoga new york i i can't what did it cost did you say what it cost to go in we we got in as seniors <laughs> And there's a funny story about that, too. So the guy that set this up, I think the James Cauley guy, uh, I think his father passed away before he ever had a chance to use a senior discount. And so they decided that seniors were going to be whatever age his father had passed away at. So the, the woman goes, are, are you seniors? And I said, well, what's what's the qualification? And she gave the age. And I'm like, well, yeah, we are. But how weird, right? <laughs> so, so did that take how? So what was your discount then? It, it got two fifty off per ticket. Oh, okay. I'll take it. Oh, I will take bucks. it. Right. It reminds me of when we went cross country and you had booked all our hotels through the AARP and I'm like, you got exactly. a great room rate. And you're like, you got to join the ARP. Did you join yet, by the way? No. AARP. No, I've, 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 I, I'm, you know, one of the reasons why is, um, when I look at the list of discounts and stuff, we don't, I don't know that I'd benefit by it. That that's the best way of saying, it. I don't know if I'd benefit by it, but, um, I think you better check that list again. <laughs> okay. I will. So, that was uh, that was the Star Trek uh, original series set tour, and it was a, a lot of fun. At, at first, I thought, oh, do I want to do the drive? It was well worth it. It was a great day. And you know what it reminded me of is it's the first time we did something sort of vacation-like during this whole period. Right. Is there something like that out west? Like, I'd expect there to be something out there at... Uh one of the studio paramount or universal or something is there something out out west that, that not that i know has of, the sets not that i know of however um you, you you bring up an interesting point many years ago uh the hilton las vegas used to have something called the star trek experience and that had a a restaurant and a bar that was styled after some of the um sets on the shows deep space nine star trek the next generation and you got to tour at that time, it was Star Trek The Next Generation. You got the tour of the bridge and a few other things, and it was super realistic and a lot of fun. But that was way back. I'm talking 90s, maybe. 
you know, mid nineties. Wow. But no, I, this, this is unique and it was created by fans and it was also approved by CBS who ha, who now holds the, um, the license for Star Trek. So it's stamp of approval. <laughs> there wow. you go. All right. How about we do business birthday? Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So celebrating today, September 16th, is Colonel Jacob Schick, born September 16th, 1877, died July 3rd, 1937, at 59 years old, was an American inventor and entrepreneur who patented the very first electric razor. He also started the Schick Dry Shaver Company, a razor company, and sold the first electric razor in 1931. So he's known as the father and the pioneer of the electric shaver. He started out in the military, is why his name is Colonel. He was uh, a key member of the team that strung more than 1,000 miles of telegraph lines into the harsh Alaskan interior. And while he was doing that, he designed a boat called the General Jacobs Boat, which was for use in shallow water. He also um, made a better mousetrap, for instance, by fixing the uh, pencil sharpener. They said he made a better, better pencil sharpener, but I couldn't find out what he did for the pencil sharpener. So uh, besides the boat and the uh, pencil sharpener, he's really known for, obviously, Schick razors. So when he retired, what happened was how the idea came about. Well, he was in Alaska, the Alaska wilderness. He said he was tired of going out and shaving when it was in 40 degree below weather. So he thought if he had something electric that he could use and uh, not have to put the cold water and so forth on his face, that uh, it would be okay. So he broke his ankle while he was out there, and so he got to think a lot about it. He came up with this idea. Of, <laughs> the ankle uh, is directly in cor- correlation to the, the the invention. Well, he was. They said he broke his ankle. It was just kind of stuck laying there, at you know, out in Alaska and trying to figure out what he was going to do. So he devised this rough plan for shaving um, and took a flexible cable and so kind of a powered exterior motor. They said it really was a clumsy uh, idea and not a not a good um, example of what he really wanted. And it was he tried to sell it and it was rejected. Uh, throughout with different manufacturers. So he went into World War I. When he came out again, he thought, I'm still going to try to sell this electric razor. So he came up with another concept to make money to improve the razor, and it was called the Magazine Repeating Razor. So it's essentially the forerunner for the injector razor oh, where you can load, yeah, and yeah, un- yeah. Lo- yeah. Yeah, load and unload blades without cutting your fingers. So he sold that to a company, and with that money he went and started trying to um, build this better electric razor or this electric razor that wasn't so clumsy. Of course, his timing was perfect. He launched in 1925 at the big, at the, uh, the height of the ensuing great depression and, uh, the models didn't sell well. So he, he, he was convinced though that, um, he was going to fix this thing. So he actually put the little motor where we see it now used bake, bake light, uh, uh, handled machine. He said he needed to be more handy. So mortgaged his house he and his wife, and came up with this unit with the, the motorized shaving head, and the, all the apparatus was enclosed in this little black Bakelite, very sleekly designed um, product that fit comfortably in your hand. He got rid of some of the clumsy cords and uh, opened up a factory in Stanford, Connecticut. The model went on sale in New York City, 1931. They sold for $25 each. That's about 360 in today's dollars. Wow, 360 Bucks for the right. electric shit. All right, so who's buying this? Right? So he sold three thousand in the first year. Wow. Um, and then by time nineteen thirty seven came, he was selling one point five million uh, a year. 
And they said, despite the fact that people claim that it didn't shave as close as the steel blade, people liked it for its convenience. And then a number of other competitors from Remington, Sunbeam, Phillips, Zenith, Gillette, so forth, came out. And as that happened, what became expensive, obviously all the prices got lower as the competition happened. So he got very rich. So he tried to hide his money. In so a, he, under the mattress. <laughs> so he, he, tr- he, he had uh, put some money into a series of holding companies in the Bahamas and then hightailed it in 1935 to Canada because he was going to avoid, he was avoiding an investigation by the Joint Congressional Committee on Tax Evasion and Avoidance. Poor thing, got to Canada in 1935, dead in 1937. Got sick. Uh, so um, <laughs> they said that he said that the life he, he he did his advertising and said the lifespan of a man who shaved correctly every day would be 120. Of course, he lived half that. So um, the lifespan. I don't I don't know how the lifespan of someone who shaves has anything to every do day. with shaving, right? Well, it's advertising. You know, late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> Jacob Schick, happy birthday. That's a good birthday. And it ha- let me ask you: Have you ever used an electric razor? I have. And you're not a fan? I'm not. And I, for the very reason, I, and I've had them over and over and over again. You know, I, I've, I, when I, I so I, I used a clean shave today. I've shaved for the first time in probably six months. And um, so I'm clean shaven today. But, um, you know, I was using one of those just trimmers that you could use just to trim up your beard. And, and uh, I just decided I would shave, shave off the hair. But as the electric razors... I always felt like there were parts I missed or I got stubbly and it just ended up taking just as long as it would for me to use cream and a razor. Um, so I didn't do it. And, or sometimes I wouldn't have the thing charged enough or, yeah, or whatever. I, I have s- you, do you use one? No. And I switched to one about, I think it was two years ago. I thought I'm going to give this a shot because my, I was, I, I tend to break out in my beard if I'm not really careful with the shaving. Right. And I thought technology's advanced. It's the rotating heads. It's the whole bit. Um, it was not a pretty sight. <laughs> Five days into the shaving with that thing, it, I was just a mass of welts and bumps. And would you get ingrown? Actually, that's the other thing. I think you get ingrown hairs, don't you? Because you're stretching your skin and pulling. And... Got got a lot of them. And I went back to these. I've I've been shaving with the same blade since college. I think it's a uh, Gillette Sensor XL. You know simple two blade in fact a dermatologist once said to me anything more than two blades you're you're asking for trouble like did you right. you simple with your your blades yeah, and stuff? I, I think i have a two or threes depending upon what's on sale but yeah those people that are the four blades or the five blades it's ridiculous yeah it's it's but, crazy um, yeah i think i actually i do use a a shick um i've always used shick i don't know why i think i found one that i liked but um yeah i you know you don't think about it, it, it the one thing that we have as a theme with a lot of our business birthdays is the perseverance of people to make something as simple as shaving. And so his idea was, I'm going to do this electric electric razor and make it uh, more convenient. And it, it reminds me of when we had Jay Samet on the show that said, if we did every day, if we wrote down three things we thought could make life, life easy, we could be the next Airbnb. Of course, you and I haven't done that. Three, three daily problems that you would love to see solved. And over the span of 30 days, that's right. There is going to be a couple that bubbled up. Billion, as, billion dollar idea, John. <laughs> it's clearly, when are we going to start this? Clearly haven't had one. Have we? I'm working you on know, it. I tried. I tried. I went for three days. And the only th- and I got two ideas. 
Yeah, one was um, was one lawn cutting. One of them was one of them. Well, actually, three ideas. One of them was um, I wish Home Depot sold different lengths board. So Mm -hmm. if you needed something that was six feet long instead of I don't need a twelve feet long board. So if there was an easier way to get get cut lengths at a place like a Home Depot or Lowe's. The other one was similar to an Airbnb for parking. All these people on weekends that have parking spots in big cities that don't use them because during the week. Now, obviously, this has all changed with the event. But is there a way you could lease out your parking space for the day or for the night in some of these buildings where people pay for monthly parking and don't use it on the weekends? So that was another good idea. I thought that was a great idea, actually. And hasn't someone sort of done that, the parking thing? I don't Have you know. investigated that at all? I don't know, because I, I tried finding it. My problem was as, is that how do you get a pass card or how do you get people into a garage? In other words, if you have a passcode, right? So it's, it ends mm. up being... You're not just mm-hmm. going to send your card to somebody say, oh, here, use this and FedEx it back to me by Monday. Well, and then the know, other one was lawn cutting. If yeah. you wanted lawn cutting on demand, so you would go in like you would Uber and just say, I need my lawn cut. Boop. Okay. Here comes somebody five minutes, cut my lawn. <laughs> in the parlance of the, uh, the parking thing, that was a speed bump. You hit how to get in the garage. And, uh, and I do love the speed cut idea. Hey, as many of you know, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on The Focus Group. They've been with us from the start, and we want you to visit their site and start shopping by going to ours, focusgroupradio.com, and clicking on their logo, which is a shark. And in deference to certain listeners who don't like Sharky the Shark, the pirate voice, I'm putting that on hold or ice for a while, right, Tim? (laughs) I I like the Sharky the Shark. Well, in in small doses, I suppose. So that might surprise us later, but we're moving on. So... (laughs) This is a uh, pretty cool two-week period at Deep Discount. They're having a very large sale with Walt Disney and 20th Century Fox titles. Both studios are combined now. Both have an enormous library. And at Deep Discount, you can find over 600 titles to choose from. Incredible selection, incredible prices. And remember and keep in mind that Disney is not just an animated studio. There are plenty of wonderful um, live-action films, and it's not just family. So with that in mind, Tim, what did you pick from the Disney library? I picked a film that came out in 1990, and it's a film that I love. It's one of those that no matter when it's on, um, I'll stop and take a take a gander at it. Because even though I know what's going to happen, it's just such a great love story. And it's, as, as I think you've called it one time, the modern-day Cinderella story. But starring uh, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, it's Pretty Woman. And uh, you can get it for under $10 right now at Deep Discount. And it's a great, great film to have in your collection and uh, we'll always leave you with a smile on your face. So I, I, I love Pretty Woman. Yeah, and I'm going to just add to what you said um, quickly. It's the full movie. Get it in Blu-ray. You know, often if you see it on TV, it's been edited for television sometimes. I mean, and yeah. I like seeing the complete picture. So excellent pick. Mine is a movie that's more recent, and it came out in uh, 2018, and it's Mary Poppins Returns. I had meant to see it in the theater, which is really um, a great experience. Uh, everybody recommended it to me. Uh, amazing cast. Emily Blunt, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda sorry, Colin Firth, Meryl Streep. And I'm a big Emily Blunt fan. and Many of you remember her as the snarky other secretary in uh, The Devil Wears Prada. But again, just heard great things about it, and I really would love to see it, and I'd like to see it um, you know, at home. So I'm going to pony up the 12.99 which is very very reasonable and cheap and uh it's directed by rob marshall you, you have to love that too so from 20 from disney we picked pretty woman and mary poppins returns and here we go to 20th century fox another storied studio fantastic deep collection what's your pick there i picked uh miracle on 34th street uh the 70th 70th anniversary edition and as we head into holiday time or into the winter time 
I love having old movies like this and just putting them on and having them on as background. So if you have people over or people are coming by and just stopping by to have on some of these old movies, I think is great. This is one of these, again, that's um, just a classic, classic film, and it'd be great to have in your collection. And as a 70th anniversary edition, of course, there's going to be some some additional content. And again, for under $10 at deep discount, uh, you can't beat it. So pick up a copy of Miracle on 34th Street, the 70th anniversary edition. Great pick. Great pick. I'm uh, going to go with a movie that came out last year towards the end of the year, kind of uh, went under the radar. And if you're a big science fiction fan, a la... 2001 interstellar you know big thoughtful movies that have the near future kind of nailed and the look and the feel just feels like wow that could really happen um i at astra as i said is a movie that you need to add to your collection and see it's on for dvd it's 950 it's it's kind of a, a no-brainer to me brad pitt I almost didn't recommend i almost didn't recognize brad pitt there mm, he plays an astronaut who looks good uh he just does a good job and his father tommy lee jones is involved in the movie but it's just, I, we thought it was really well done, well paced, and beautiful cinematography. And for non-science fiction fans like my friend Pat, I mean, he likes science fiction, but not like me. <laughs> Pat watched this and then sent me a text and said, hey, I, I heard you talking about this one time, when, you know, um, and he said, I really liked it. And for him to like it is, is great because that's, you know, that's, that to me says imprintor of, of fine filmmaking. So Brad Pitt and Ad Astra from 20th Century Fox. And of course, being deep discount, we always have a new release. And the new release this week is Succession, the complete second season. Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, and Sarah Snook. And this is a, um, this is a media, this is, well, Tim, you kind of teed it up as a kind of a Murdoch family thing, right? Yeah, it's like loosely, ba- some people think it's loosely based on the Murdochs. And uh, so the the uh, the older um, titan of business is going to relinquish control of his company. And of course, the the children want to uh, all get, get in on the money grab. So lots of intrigue and backstabbing and uh, and trying to uh, trying to take over the business and win dad's favor. And uh, so it's 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 I enjoyed it. I watched the full first season with some friends. And uh, we're getting ready to start the second season. And uh, I think you'd enjoy it too, John. It's got lots of uh, lots of great dialogue and just uh, lots of twists and turns. So it's a it's a good pick. It's Succession, the complete second season, is the new release this week at uh, at deep discount. So what was your what was your two pick movie picks this week, John? So I'll review for our listeners. Uh, sure. Big big sale at deep discount. It's the Disney and Fox libraries. Over six hundred titles to choose from. Incredible selection. Great prices. And remember, Disney is not just about animated movies. And we'll review it again. So Tim picked from the Disney library, uh, Pretty Woman. I yep. picked uh, Mary Poppins Returns. From 20th Century Fox, Tim went with the fantastic 70th anniversary edition of Miracle on 34th Street. And I went with Ad Astra, and the release this week is Succession, the complete second season. So head over to focusgroupradio.com, click on the deep discount logo, start shopping away. Be sure to grab all you can from the Fox and Disney sale, and then also pick up the new release this week and uh, get, a, get a jump on your holiday and, uh, and gift shopping. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come right back, we've got a shop talk that's going to deal with uh, the issue of getting a better night's sleep which I think will surprise you. So stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com.
You're listening to The Focus Group. I said to my girlfriend just the other day, monsters are interesting, I said. With Tim Bennett and John Nash. And I'll bet you meet a lot of interesting people, too. Hey, welcome back to Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is the place to go to find out all about us, the shows, and our Tuesday podcast, Unbuttoned. So as Tim said at the uh, at the end of our last segment, um, we have a shop talk that he found that I really loved. So I'll let you uh, <laughs> I'll let you cue it up and roll with it. Well, it's um, I, 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 well the first question I guess I had to you was whether do you sleep in the nude? Um, this this was the funny part of this article. So I normally just sleep with a t-shirt and underwear, but that's so, that's not considered nude, right? No, and I, and and that's was one of the reasons I thought about this because so the headline is if you wear this to bed, your your uh, your sleep may be disastrous, and essentially they're saying that one of the one of the tricks or one of the keys to a good night's sleep is to sleep in the nude. And they said a majority of Americans, 58%, say they typically sleep naked through the night. And um, and I thought that was high because I really don't know too many people who do. And I've done sometimes by myself, and then I stopped because then I felt vulnerable that if something happened and I needed to get up quick and I needed to get out of the house or I needed to do something, I wouldn't be able to get um, to get dressed. But they, they, this article goes into all the reasons why it's important or why it could be helpful if you slept uh, in the nude in terms of whether it made your skin healthier or it helped with metabolism or it actually gave you a, a more vibrant sex life, which I also, also thought was funny. I sometimes, if I sleep in a T-shirt, though, I get all tangled up. I don't know if you get tangled up at night. Um, no, I don't. I do not get tangled up. <laughs> okay, see, I do. So I, I will usually go without a shirt and um, maybe keep a bottom on. But um, I was surprised by this because I, I didn't think that many people had, had slept nude, but I guess it, it's uh, more common than we thought. I just thought the science behind this was kind of interesting. Um, I had really not thought about it, but they, they claim the skin breathes better. Um, it also just keeps your body regulated, the temperature differently. So it, it's, and it leads to healthier skin. But the thing that I thought was interesting is the optimal temperature for a good night's slumber is between 60 and 67 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a kind of a broad range, but they said that for every 0.7 degrees Fahrenheit over that or increase in skin temperature can actually add to things like insomnia and increase, you know, your nighttime waking, you know, so you wake up in the middle of the night right. for no reason. That was fascinating to me. I, I think we all know that temperature changes do that, especially um, during the summer when we say, oh, wow, you know. It's, uh, you know, when you, when you don't have the AC on, you really do notice, especially the humidity, but pretty cool. I thought it was an interesting thing. And obviously sleep makes a huge difference in all of our work days. So, um, this is a cool thing. So you're going to end up, uh, sleeping nude. I, I tried it last night. I just took my t-shirt <laughs> off. What uh, did you? I left my underwear on, but I wasn't, uh, yeah, I slept the same. I, I haven't been convinced yet, and maybe I have to go full full Monty to <laughs> to really have that happen, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's something to uh, something to consider, and it's a simple thing to help, as you said, with the with the science that's there. Particularly, um, and I do agree about being cool at night. I can't sleep if it's if the room's hot. I don't know if you 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 like it a little warmer than I do, probably, but 
just to touch you're you're a little bit um like jack frost comes and visits the bedroom <laughs> beforehand and you're like whoa that's just that's a cold room man <laughs> and the other funny one i just simply thought they said people who slept nude had sex eight times more per month i thought that was a little bit high too i don't know that was but. another interesting stat right and and the theory was that if you sleep in the nude it builds confidence and in, it improves your sex life i'm not sure where the confidence comes from you're just sleeping but you know <laughs> and we'll leave it at that yeah we'll leave it at that <laughs> hey thanks everyone for joining us today we appreciate you joining us here each week be sure to go to focusgroupradio.com and click on uh, the logos of our sponsors um, deep discount and right now that we've got the the Disney and the Fox sale going on and uh, we both had picked two great uh, two great picks there each the new release this week is uh, Succession the complete second series and uh, you'll be able to pick up that there too while you're at focusgroupradio.com you'll also be able to learn more about us all of our audio and video programming so uh, stay tuned and, and be sure to uh, catch our Tuesday podcast which is TFG Unbuttoned We hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you in the next one. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.